Today we're, we're in, our, in our book, uh, Hebrews Beyond the Veil, uh, on page nine. Um, and Lisa and I was talking yesterday as I'm studying this book, and at first it kind of threw me off because it, it, Hebrews Beyond the Veil, and I'm thinking it's, a, it's an intense study of Hebrews, but it's more about beyond the veil than just a studying of Hebrews. And so I had to kind of get my head wrapped back around it yesterday because Friday is studying it some. And then I told her, I said, it's been kind of hard to teach this, but in my mind, and it may just be in this little world where I live, it's a little eclectic thing going on in there. Um, I was just, I guess, expecting something different from the book than what the book is. And I had to get on the same page as the book. Does that make sense? So maybe that was a me thing. Um, But today we're going to talk about free indeed. And so many times we don't really, I think, understand what that free is. When we talk about free from sin and death, you know, what does that? And so today this is, it's it's really a good, uh, I'm going to slow down, try to get all this in, because it's very powerful when we understand what beyond the veil is and what that, that free from sin and death is. But it requires a lot of stuff on our part. It's just, it's just not saying, hey, I need you, Jesus. I accept you in my life, and I want to be a Christian. It goes beyond that. And so many times we, we, we make it almost too easy to be a Christian. Does that make sense? It's like, oh, just do this, that's it. No, it's not. It's a continual thing. You know, we, we have to sanctify our lives each and every day. We have to study the Word, crucify the flesh, and take thoughts captive, like you pull up and Pastor Aaron's truck's not there. Well, who's going to preach? Why? I don't, I don't know what, on where his truck is. I don't know. Why? Why do you even think like that? Maybe he sold his truck. Maybe he totaled his truck out. Maybe one of his kids got in his truck and drove it in the pond. I don't know. Maybe they've heard from God and brought somebody else in to speak today. But it shouldn't matter there, so what we have to do, we have to take a thought captive. But Jesus, the perfect man, stood solidly against all human... I mean, excuse me. <clears throat> Jesus, the perfect man, stood solidly alongside all humans. But he didn't become a man and suffer just to be an example that inspires and motivates people to live better lives. The suffering and death of Jesus was much more than an example. His death was a redemptive act that set believing people free from the power of sin and death. Now, see, when you read that, if you don't understand what that means, you think that you're never going to die. That's not what it means. His redemptive act freed us from the power of sin and death and eternity in hell. It's a freedom that if we study the word and walk in the word and apply the word, we can walk without sin. We have the power to overcome sin. The ultimate purpose of Christ's incarnation was the destruction of the devil, the enemy, and deliverance from the fear of death. And so many times 
when we say the fear of death, I've done thousands of funerals. And I can tell you, I've done a lot where everybody in the room, there was no fear of death. They understood where the person in that casket was. There was mourning of a loss, but not fear of death. And I've done other funerals that there was a, not only spiritual, but a physical appearance uh, of death all over the people. They were fearful, fearful of death because there's no Jesus in them. And with that, there is that turmoil. And we've had this conversation with people after funerals and, and, and different things that, you know, it's hard for me to comprehend how somebody could go to a funeral without that assurance of where they are or where you're going. I've done some funerals that I wasn't for sure the person in there, where they are. Their life did not reflect that of a Christian. But the fear of death is, is something that once you have more of Christ in you than the world and, and all the other stuff that the enemy throws at us, there is no fear. I was thinking about this thought this morning about 4 o'clock that sometimes we have a thought, I don't want to die yet because I've got all this to do. And, and, and I started going through this in my head. I was like, man, I've got so much stuff I want to get done. You know, there's 197 countries in the world. We've only been in 54 of them with, with planting churches and doing uh, preaching the gospel. And I want to get in all of them. But what if tomorrow's my last day? There's no fear there. There may be a sense of unfulfilled accomplishment. Who put that there? Probably me. Yes, do I have a burden and a vision to get in all those countries? Yes. But there can't be a fear about dying because I know where I win. I mean, I know where I'll, I'll go. And in the end, if it is tomorrow, guess what? I win. There is no fear of that. And so I had to go back up and go, okay, yeah, I, I got a lot to do. But when I, when I die, when you die, we have run the race God set before us. And we were given that length of time to do it. Whatever that length of time is. And that's not in my notes anywhere. But when it says free indeed, what I, my question to you is, are you free indeed? Are you bound by things that, that keep you in turmoil or are you free? 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 58. Write it down, go back and read it. But I'm going to, uh, like I said, we're going to slow down today and I'm going to, I'm going to put my phone down because they, they did um, do away with the clock back there. And I'm sure my wife will let me know when I get close to the time. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 and 58. When this corruptible will have put on incorruption and this mortal will have become immortality, then the saying that is written shall come to pass. Death is swallowed up in victory. 
O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Man, there's so much in that passage of Scripture. When it talks about when this corruptible will have put on incorruption, when this mortal has become immortality, only when you know who you are in Christ can you put that on, can you wear that. And it's a daily thing we have to constantly do, be studying the word more and more, sanctifying areas of our life, understanding that we, we have put on this incorruptible body, that we have become immortality. And it sounds like an oxymoron, immortality means forever. But when we physically die on earth, that's not, for a Christian, is not death. And in verse 55, when it says, oh, death, where is your sting? Now, to a non-believer, there's grief. I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean grief like we feel grief of someone I love that passed on. It's grief like I don't know what, 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 what is, where'd they go? Where are they at? I don't know. And that's one of the things I think that helps me process things a little more differently than some it's like with, with, with our parents aging and what they're walking through. That's the natural progression. And sometimes we want to do things to keep us from dying. I'm like, why? Why? Why do you want to live forever? I want to live forever in the presence of God, not in the presence of this. There's a big difference. Now, I'm old enough now that I don't do as many things as I used to do to uh, expedite my death. I've, I've got plenty of scars to show that. Um, some of y'all witnessed them a few weeks ago up, up on stage, but, you know, that was minimal. That wasn't really what I would consider dangerous or a death wish. She's shaking her head like Whatever. But the sting of death is sin. Think about that. The sting of death is sin. So what are you doing to keep sin out of your life? Are you praying more? Are you studying the word more? And are you applying the word more? See, so many times we don't want to talk about the application of the word, do we? It's like, yeah, I, I, I know it. I read it. Okay, are you applying it? If you got a wound and it's bleeding, if you don't apply pressure to it, it's not going to stop. If you don't apply antibiotic ointment to it, it's not going to heal. So you can have all the good stuff you want, but if you don't apply it, it's not going to work. Same thing with the Word. <clears throat> the 
The destruction of Satan does not mean that he is annihilated, but that his power is curbed in the lives of those committed to Christ. Think about that. Doesn't mean he's annihilated, but it does mean that his power is curbed to those that are committed to Christ. That, that ought to make you stand up in your seat, put your shoulders back, bring it, because you, you're a loser. Are we, are we going to be faced with stuff? Absolutely. Every single day. I was just sharing with uh, Sarah Vaughn, one of our ministry partners in uh, India, has gone through some stuff. Some of his key people um, have left him. And let me help you with that. <laughs> I don't know why I did that, but <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> um, some of his key ministry people have just left him. I mean, today, today was their 27th year of ministry. This guy had been locked up in jail with him. And in August, he just left. You're thinking, why, how? The only, the only reason, though, how, why is he didn't continue to put this in here. And somewhere the enemy got in and broke, broke through because he wasn't strengthening himself with the word of God. And, you, and you're saying, well, that's a very harsh or pointed statement. It's the truth. <laughs> the truth is the truth. The fact is a fact. Black is black. White is white. So how did the enemy get in, in, in that friend? And I'm going to say that. He's a friend of mine. Last year, he dedicated 65 water wells for us. I would trust him with my life. But I also know he didn't, he, he stopped at some point putting this into application. And the enemy got a little crack in the door. And, and Sarah and I was talking, it's like, I, I, it's hard for me to fathom why. Can't. But I, know, I, I, but I know what it was. It's stopping the application of this in your life. We cannot do that. Jesus became our high priest. He provides our atonement, uh, atonement. He made the ultimate once and for all sacrifice that provides our salvation and freedom from sin and death. Since a high priest must be one with the people in order to represent them before God, the incarnation was indispensable in the atoning work of Jesus. So when we look at our salvation, what it provides is freedom from sin and death when we apply the word to our lives. So many times we think we get one without the other. Doesn't work that way. You have to apply the word of God to your life to get all the word out of your life. Like if you've got a computer on your desk and you've got the latest model, the greatest, fastest speed there is, if you don't turn it on, what good is it? Doesn't do anything, does it? What if you turn it on and 
just look at the blank screen. Or look at you, uh, you turn it on, you look at that cool screensaver they put on there from the factory. You know, the mountain and the ocean surrounding it and all that. Looks good, don't it? What good does it do you? Zero. So what good does this beautiful-looking leather-bound or fake leather-bound Bible do if you don't do this? And if you don't read it, and then if you don't put it into application, and that's the works part of it. So when we understand that we are with our salvation comes freedom from sin and death. Do you really believe that? Have you taken hold of that? Are you walking in that? <clears throat> John 8, 30 through 36. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. That's Jesus was speaking. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you remain in my word, then you are truly my disciples. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's seed, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. Why do you say you shall be, you shall be set free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Now a slave does not remain in the house forever, but a son remains forever. Therefore, if the son sets you free, you're free indeed. So do you have a mindset like the Jews had? That you've never been put in captivity? See, at this point, the Jews, they're walking, they've not been in captivity. But when you sin, you're a slave to sin. The footnotes, I don't know if I'm going to get them all in. Verse 31, the footnotes, the teaching notes in my study Bible, if you hold on to my teachings, Jesus never encouraged his disciples to place confidence in past faith or past experiences. It is only if you hold on to my teaching that confidence of salvation is warranted. Genuine disciples of Christ continue to obey the words of Christ. Think about that. Put yourself in there. As a Christian, when you continue to obey the words of Christ, you have everything that Christ says you have. That means obeying the word. To obey the word, you got to apply the word. You can't do it part-time. You can't do it partially. Well, I don't feel like I should tithe today. That's not an option. It's not an option if you're a Christian. You bring your tithes to the storehouse. You give offerings. Apply the word. Verse 32. The truth will set you free. In, in the context of human knowledge, many things are true. Yet there is only one truth that will set people free from sin, destruction, and Satan's dominion. Jesus himself and his revelation of the truth in the scripture. Three important observations about the truth are as follows. Scripture, especially the original revelation of Christ and the New Testament apostles, testifies to the truth 
that frees one from sin and the world and the demonic powers. The second part, future revelation of truth is not needed to complete or make more adequate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Saving truth is revealed only from God by his spirit and does not originate from any person or humanistic wisdom. It comes from the word and the Holy Spirit. I've seen that verse eight, chapter 8, verse 32, misused so many times about the truth will set you free. And people will use it like, well, if you just tell the truth, Kenneth, it'll set you free. That's not what that scripture means. It has nothing to do with you telling the truth. The truth is about Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. That's the truth. If you want to set someone free from sin and death, then tell them about Jesus. That's the only, that's what the scripture's talking about. Tell them about Jesus. Jesus, only that is the only thing that sets people free. That's the truth. Not you confessing sin about something you've done. That's, that's not what the scripture talks about. <clears throat> Verse 34, everyone who sins, the New Testament clearly teaches that the Lord Jesus Christ himself breaks the power and dominion of sin in the lives of those who are his true followers. True followers. True followers means you study the word, you apply the word, and you do the word. You can have all the head knowledge you want of this. If you don't put it in application and give it away, guess what? You're of no value to no one, not even yourself. Individuals who habitually sin are still slaves to sin and unrighteousness and therefore are children of the enemy the union of sincere believers with Christ is death and resurrection result in freedom from sin's power and dominion. Do you really understand that and believe it and, uh, and, and just take a hold of it? The reason you don't sin is because you have this in your Bible. People say, well, you know, I, 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 can't, I, can't, I cannot sin. Yes, you can. Put the word in there. Remove all the junk that's in there. Stop copying out. Stop using it for an example. Well, I, you know, my dad was this, my dad yelled. Well, you stop yelling. Well, my mom did this, my mom did that. Well, stop doing it. But the thing is, we want to use things for excuses instead of root out the sin in our life. What causes you to have anger? I don't know, but dig it out. Jesus didn't have anger. So if you get more of Jesus in you, maybe you'll have less anger. Maybe you can be like him. Because his word says you can. Verse 36, you will be free indeed. Unsaved persons are slaves to sin impurity. Just think about that. You are enslaved to that process because you are not saved. But when you give your life to Christ, you break that bondage. You have not, you don't have to be in bondage to it any longer. But you have to let it go. You have to let that sin go. You got to dig it out. And the only way you can dig it out is dig it out and replace it with this. The problem is we don't do it. We won't, we won't leave a little bit in there. No, I don't. I want to get it all out. 
And sometimes it takes somebody sitting down with you and talking to you like, you know, Joe and I have had this conversation about different things at different times in our life and just bring something up and like, wow, I guess I need to go fix that. But if Joe hadn't brought it to my attention, I don't know. But it was in there festering. That's why we have to study the word, put the word in, listen to the word. There again, listen to the message, not the messenger. If we will listen to the message, which is the word, doesn't matter who delivered it, it's what's being delivered. Sometimes we get more caught up in the messenger than the message. That's, mm. So, free indeed. Everything that Jesus did is so that we could be free. That we can face every attack of the enemy and understand that we are free from that. We don't have to walk in that. We don't have to even think about that. Everything he did was for us. And so if there's anything in your life that you're saying, I can't overcome and overcome that, then what you're saying is what Jesus did at the cross was not enough. And that's not true because that veil had been broken. It's done. It's gone away with. Everything that, that's in the, every word in the Bible is there for us to take advantage of, take a hold of, apply it, and walk in the truth and the grace and the knowledge of him. It requires us to open our mouths, talk to people around us, be, you know, if you're being like Jesus, you don't have to walk around with this like this. Do a Hannah. I don't have to walk around like this if you know I'm a Christian, do I? If I know I'm a Christian, I can do this and you'll know. If I'm doing this, what am I covering up? What am I trying to hide? What am I trying to hide? So beyond the veil, understand how powerful that is. That veil has, the veil has been ripped, torn for us to go in, to sit at the feet, to be there, to be led by the Holy Spirit. We have all the tools to overcome every attack of the enemy if we only will use them. Stop using excuses, put the word in. So many times we, 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 let me go there. But just this week, ask yourself, are you free indeed? If there's an area in your life that you feel you're not freed from, study the Bible, and I promise you it's in there. God will, God will show you what you need. Because the more I study the word, the more it just becomes more alive. And, and it's almost like it's now, it's almost seamless. It's like everything in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation continues to flow together. I, I just finished reading Revelation last week in, in the yearly Bible reading. And it was amazing how much more fluid Reading Revelation has become now 
than it was 20-something years ago. You know, I've told you all the story about 20-something years ago, I was in a hotel room in Nairobi, Kenya, and it was the dreaded night to start Revelation in my yearly reading the Bible through. I didn't really want to do it. <laughs> Kid was laughing. <laughs> Been there, hadn't you? <laughs> and I just prayed, stopped, and prayed. Holy Spirit overshadowed my thoughts so that I can receive what is written in your word. And I read the entire book that night, about 3.30 in the morning, I finished up. And it was amazing how cool and incredible it was. And then I just finished reading it again, and, and I read it like in about eight days. And it was just like it was seamless this time because it, just, it, it flowed like chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. It is all connected together, and it flows so beautifully. I see you tapping your watch. But it, it flowed so beautifully. And, and so just understand that everything that you need is in here. Just take it, apply it to your life, study the word, and I promise you it will just begin to flow through you. It'll flow out of you. It'll flow into the people around you. It'll flow into people around you that need what you have. It'll flow out of you to people that don't know even what Jesus is. Don't be afraid to share. Father, I just thank you that we've come before you today. We've had to, the time to understand and share your word about the veil and what Jesus did on that resurrection day, that he tore that veil so that we have the access to you the access to the Holy Spirit, that we can walk without the fear of sin and death in our life, that you conquered it for us before we were even born, that we can walk a life that is pleasing to you without sin and without death. And we just give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.